Hi, besties, and welcome back to another episode of the Your Two Best Friends podcast with your co-host, Annalise LaCasse, and myself, Danielle Hanlon. We are going to talk about something today that we think is super relevant, especially this year, which is engaging politics and your Christian walk. And so Annalise and I, and I'm sure plenty of you have seen a lot of the political divide over the last couple of years, and it's definitely bled into our relationships, into the church, in our own personal Christian walk. It seems like the tension's at an all-time high, and Annalise and I really wanted to start a conversation talking about how do you engage in politics as a Christian? How do you engage in this area as a follower of Christ that honors the Lord? And what are what is going to be different for maybe all of us this election season as we kind of think about these things? Yeah, so as Danielle shared, this is such an important topic. And so we wanted to invite one of our friends in to have this conversation with us. And so we're joined today with Dan Green. And this is someone that Danielle and I both went to college with. We were all really good friends in school. And so it's really fun that we all get to have this conversation together. Mm -hmm. And Dan has a history of working in the political sphere, and he's very passionate about Christians engaging in politics in a healthy way. And so we couldn't think of anyone better to, to bring on and to dialogue about some of these things with. Yeah, we're so excited to have Dan. So, Dan, welcome to the Your Thank Best you. Friends podcast. You yes. are our first official guest, actually. Let's go. <laughs> which is really exciting. We're really happy to have you here. To start us off, how about you tell us a little bit about your experience in politics? Yeah, so I have always been very interested in politics throughout my entire life. I got more involved in it in the tail end of my college years, and I worked for a few different organizations. Uh, some on the center left and some on the center right. And I've just kind of worked in the moderate space in politics because I personally am just very interested in just coming up with pragmatic solutions for things and really focusing on the actual issues at, at hand. And I felt like the extreme left and the extreme right part of politics is more interested in name calling and more interested in just not being very serious about the issues that we have in our country. So I've kind of been more involved in the moderate space, worked for about three or four different organizations in politics since graduating college and worked on like three political campaigns. And I'm currently part of one right now. And so, yeah, that's how I've been involved in the past four to five years. Dan, would you want to share a little bit of how you got interested in the political sphere? Yeah, so I've always been interested in politics literally since I was like the age of five. I would... <laughs> be watching like in kindergarten the presidential debates all by myself and like nobody would be watching them with me and I always look back and I try to think why I did that and I think it's because I've always been drawn to leadership and I've always been drawn to the idea of everyone coming together for a common purpose and going forth and like creating change and so that's why I love church that's why I love politics um, in a way that's why I love sports like everyone coming together as like a community. And so I think for me, politics is just, a, it's been all about community for me. It's all about um, creating better change uh, and better lives for the people in our community. So I've always just been drawn to it specifically because of that. Yeah, yeah that's really good. That, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's, that is also hilarious that at five years old, you were watching that. So I'm curious, why do you think Christians should be engaged in politics? I think that politics uh, is just a tangible way for Christians to love people. 
because politics is literally all about people and how we can create different policies to better the lives of the people in our community. And I think like there's there's a lot of ways that we can tangibly love people, but a fantastic way is to make the people make the people in our communities' lives better. And I think, you know, when someone's like drafting legislation for like a specific policy, like to me, I've always thought of that like as literally like you're writing like a love letter to like your constituents. And if you're advocating for like a specific policy, that's like a tangible way of saying to the people in your community, I love you, I care about you, and I want to create something for you that's going to better your life. And so I think that as Christians, wherever we can tangibly love people, I think we should be involved in that. And so I think for politics, that's just, it's just another tool in the toolbox, I think, of a Christian of ways that we can tangibly love people. So I think that's the main reason why I think people should be engaged. Plenty of other reasons, but I think at the heart of it, um, politics really, really, really impacts people like at a very deep level, whether that's like economic things, whether that's social things, um, it just really impacts people and Christians should always be engaged and involved in things that we can do to help people. So, yeah, that's really good. I really like that because it is another way that we can love our community and get involved in that way. So what have you noticed are the biggest challenges you've seen in Christians engaging in politics? The biggest challenge is I think people can just get it absolutely like swallowed by pride mm-hmm. when they are talking about politics, when they're engaging in politics, because politics in a way, as you're saying, um, I think this is the best way to help people. I think this idea is the, or this candidate is the right choice to uh have a better state, city, country, or whatever. And so you're basically, you're making a lot of truth statements. And whenever you're making a lot of truth statements, you always got to be careful to uh, not get swallowed up by pride. And then when that pride seeks and uh, kind of like sneaks into you and just kind of overtakes you, I think we can really start dehumanizing people mm-hmm. and really de- dehumanizing people that uh, we politically disagree with. And so I think the biggest challenge is when you're engaging in politics is understanding that everyone's made in the image of God and that um, you don't have all the right answers. And we're all doing our best when we're engaging politically to try to come up with the right answers, but you got to have a baseline understanding that um, everyone has a good idea to bring to the table. And even if you adamantly disagree with someone, you have to, to be respectful. You have to not let pride come in and kind of warp your your kind of vision of people in general. And I think that's what happens with Christians as they get so engaged in politics and they get so engaged in what's going on in the world that um, it becomes a pride issue for them. And I've seen that happen with people who are politically on the left, politically on the right, where they just so wholeheartedly believe what they believe that they can't listen to anybody else. And so, and, and I think that right there is when you think about it, the idea of dehumanizing people because what they believe is like, it's demonic. It's like, Mm. it's, it's something that tears apart someone's uh, imago Dei and says that they're less than and that they don't have uh, a voice that is of value. And as Christians, we just, when we engage with these things, we have to make sure to stay humble, to really research and know what we're talking about. And, um, to always engage with people in a loving way. And I see I see that as a big biggest challenge because I see a lot of people not doing that. I would mm-hmm. say the majority of people are not 
doing that as Christians. And so yeah. I would say that's the biggest challenge. Yeah, it, it seems to be that in, in lots of areas in our own life, like being right is more important than maybe if we're wrong, we could be corrected and in something like politics, oh, maybe something else helps people better. We really just fall into these traps of, you know, I've thought this for so long, maybe, and being right is more important than than helping people in a lot of ways. And so I think that's a really good, really good point. Um, Do you think that as a Christian, you have to belong to a certain political party? Do you think that as a Christian, you can even maybe identify or belong to one specific political I think with the way that our party system is set up in the United States is like, obviously, we have two very prominent parties. We have the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. To me, that's those terms don't really mean anything anymore because there's like hundreds of different factions within the Democratic Party. There's hundreds of different factions within the Republican Party of people who are would have the label as Democrat or Republican, but would have a specific set of beliefs within that party. And so I don't think the general label of calling yourself a Republican or a Democrat is bad. I think, and I think that people can come to a lot of different conclusions on issues um, as Christians that would differ from each other. And so I don't think there's like a right political party. The biggest thing for me is when you are engaging in a political party is that you conduct yourself in a way that is loving and shows Jesus to people and, um, that you have deep Christian character while you're engaging in a political party. There is one thing I will say that you shouldn't do if you're in a political party is be a part of one of the more extreme factions of the party that um, don't work with other people that dehumanize the other side. That's when I think when you've crossed the line and you have put the party before um, people or the party before uh, your values as a Christian. So I think absolutely you can engage as a Republican, as a Democrat. The biggest thing though is, I think asking yourselves, uh, is this a way that I'm actually loving people? And then two, um, am I engaging in a way that um, is showing Jesus to people? And I think if you can answer uh, those two things, I think you can be comfortable working in either one. I do think there are certain times in history where there there can be parties that differ or that start going into such an extreme direction that you can't be part of anymore. Um, but uh I think those are special times, so I might answer differently at different times. But as of now, mm-hmm. I think you can engage in both and just make sure that you're reflecting Christ while you do it. Yeah, that's really good. I think sometimes the other thing that we can fall into a trap into when we're looking at a two-party system is it's called the curse of the moderate. And it's something that I've even found myself falling victim to of like, oh, I consider myself more of a moderate these days. You know, I can see both sides. I can, you know, see the good in in those policies and I can see where these policies help. And, you know, maybe I don't identify. And it almost even leads to pride in a different way. Like, oh, I'm above all this. You know, I can see the flaws over there. I can't see the good things over there. I'm, you know, kind of out of the system. I'm like, but that's not true either. And so the whole thing is a heart issue. It's not that you can't belong to a certain party, like Dan said, you know, maybe if you're extreme, you really want to look at it, or you can't be a moderate, you can't be a Republican, you can't be a Democrat. But pride is so often the root of all evil. It really is. Pride is just at the root of everything. And so when we look at these things, sometimes it's like maybe the solution is just to take ourselves out. And we'll say we don't identify with either of those things. And that makes me feel better because I don't have to defend anything, but I don't have to like agree with anything. But it's all looking at our heart and being like, I don't want that to 
bring pride into my life either. I don't want to be exuding pride in that way. I don't want to think I'm better than people that I've got it figured out. I can see the flaws and what they can't see or not. So I think it really is coming at it with a humble heart and you can be involved in, in where you feel you more align, but it is all about being humble, being willing to be wrong and engaging respectfully and lovingly with other people. Yeah. So I think something that you said previously that really stood out to me was taking this place of or position of humility, right? In these conversations or um, with your viewpoint. And so maybe this is part of of the answer that I'm about to ask, but like, what else would you say? Like, how how can we talk with others that we disagree with when it comes to politics? Or how can we be in relationship with others if we disagree when it when it comes to their political view? I think the biggest thing when I have had discussions with either my parents, family members, friends who I know like adamantly disagree with me on politics, that like number one thing, like it's number one, and then it's like everything else is like do not talk down to people mm. or do not come from a place. And I know I mentioned it before of pride, but specifically do not speak in a way that is looking down on them. and is making it seem like they're stupid for not believing what you believe. That's yeah. like the absolute biggest thing for me, because if people sense that even a little bit, and they've done a bunch of studies on this where it's like, if people feel even a little bit that they're being talked down to their walls instantly go up, uh, whatever positions that they believe in, just get hardened and they will not listen to you. And so I, and I have talked to a lot of people who I adamantly disagree with, but I always make sure that um, I'm listening to them intently and that I'm allowing them to speak their mind. And that, um, and then once they do that, you can explain your position, but always do it in a way that is loving, that is kind, that is, again, not looking down at them as someone who doesn't know what they're talking about looking at them as someone who is made in the image of God and as someone who has something of value to bring to the table. And so I think, um, and understanding that, um, I think, I think people believe that it's like uncomfortable to talk about politics. And for me, that's just like not uncomfortable at all, but I understand why it is uncomfortable. And I think it is, be, it is because of people's fear of, feeling stupid when they're talking about it or feeling like they don't know enough. And to me, that's, I think, where we can play a role is really reiterating that we're all just trying to figure things out and uh, reiterating that um, everyone has a voice of value, even if we adamantly disagree with them. So once you're able to do that and kind of set those boundaries where, hey, I love you, even though we disagree, I've had so many good conversations with people with those parameters set where we understand that we love each other and we're just like disagreeing. We do that mm -hmm. all the time, <laughs> not just with politics, but with Dan lots of different issues is sometimes we even yell at each other, but like, <laughs> we know that like we love each other and that we're just talking about these things. Um, and we don't think each other is stupid or anything like that. So, mm -hmm. um, or yeah. change the way like we view each other's character. Dan and I have always, um, and one of the reasons we really wanted him to come on here and talk about this is he, He's very good at doing that. Dan um, is very engaged actively in politics and um, definitely posts a lot about it on social media. And it's always in such a, a dignifying and glorifying way. You do a really good job at like not trying to make people feel stupid. And the goal and the aim of everything you talk about is to make people like understand. And you're always open to being wrong. You're always yeah. open to learning new things, which is what makes 
I think, good conversation and what makes a Christ-like conversation about something like politics. Because ultimately, politics isn't more important than Christ. It's not more important than the things that he calls us to do, which is to love each other. And something that I was thinking about as we were thinking about this episode is, you know, in the past couple of years, there's been so much divide. And I've seen so many people like cut off like close family members, close friends that disagree with them, um, that have different political views. And that's been something that's really sad. It's We've seen like the enemy really make some of these issues so much more important to people than than they are or you know it makes us think like that's their character their opinion defines their character their opinion defines their worth their opinion defines like how i'm going to categorize my relationship with them and then instead of being in relationship and and talking about these things in a christ-like way and really seeing each other's side and our experiences that we're bringing into it we often will like cut people off in, in society where it's like, oh, you know, hear a lot about cancel culture. We kind of do it on a minor way to people like, oh, you know, they don't agree with me. I'm not going to associate with them with them anymore. And so I was thinking about this and I'm like, we don't even often do that if our friends like aren't Christian or something. And so it almost seems to me like is is our political views more important than even our faith where we would do something like that where we wouldn't do if they weren't Christian. And so I don't know if either of you have any thoughts about that either, but that was something that really came up to me. People's opinions don't define their worth. People's opinions are not who they are. They can always be changed. We always look back, I think, and are like, oh, that was so stupid. Like, why did I think that? Or now that I know more, now that I've had a different experience, I can relate to someone in a different way. I can see someone's side in a different way. You know, maybe I have just seen different things, learned different things. And so I don't think that we should be making those generalizations based on people's opinions, especially political opinions. Yeah, and also along those lines, I think that um, we really have to understand that people come to a variety of different conclusions based on the experiences that they've had financially, economically. And for example, I have a story of one person that just had a really hard time with their small business. They weren't able to hire anyone. They weren't able to get healthcare. They were getting taxed so much, even though I believe that this person should have should vote for this specific candidate. And I was explaining why they're saying, you know what, I'm not going to do that because I have experienced this hardship and this person's policies uh, better align with uh, what I believe would help my small business grow. And so even though I disagreed with their end conclusion, I did gain a lot of understanding into why they made decisions that they did to vote for that candidate. And I think when we are talking to people and when they bring up their positions and those emotions rise up, try to always think about where they grew up, their economic background, why they believe what they believe, and not just automatically assume that they're just stupid or that, uh, yeah. So it's just important to understand those things before uh, you come to conclusions about that person. Mm -hmm. And what you were saying in the beginning, like if we're coming at it and we're really trying to root out that pride, then we can come to these conclusions where we agree to disagree, where we're not like attacking someone's Christianity based on who they vote for or how they vote or their opinion, because they may have had very different experiences that we don't understand anything about. And as Christians, I think it's really easy to maybe feel like we have a moral superiority, a moral high ground in things. You can see that on, on both sides of the political spectrum, where maybe we take certain things that we consider the most important and really make them almost like 
kind of blow up our ego, almost make us feel like we've got the moral high ground. You know, those people could never understand. But we really want to come at this with empathy and compassion. All of this affects real people's lives, real people. It's not, it's something we debate as if, you know, it doesn't sometimes, I think, but it really does. Real people are affected by this. And we have to keep that perspective as Christians. People's opinions matter. People's experiences matter. Things that you think are important because of your own experience may not be important to someone else because of theirs. And I think that's, it really is such a good point. Thank you so much for, for bringing that into perspective. Yeah. So I think on that same note, how as a Christian do you escape the trap of making politics your religion, right? So we've kind of talked about this a little bit of identifying so closely with this. Um, but how do you, I guess, make politics not an idol in your life? I think the biggest thing is realizing that politics is just a tool. Like I kind of explained it earlier where I was like, kind of like a toolbox to Christian of like different ways that you can tangibly like love people, whether that's like volunteering in your community, whether that's um, feeding the homeless, feeding the homeless yeah. or just doing different things to help people. Like politics is just another one of those things. And it's not the only thing that's going to help people. And it's not the thing that's going to save our country. It's not the thing that's going to um, heal our country, not even close to it. And so I think when you're engaging in it, just understanding that it's just another tool for you to use. And it's not like your life. It's my life because I work in politics and that's how I make money. So it is my life. But I think for everyone who's just going about their day, going about their jobs, it's just another tool in the toolbox. And so that's how I would kind of explain it because I think, and I think both people on the left and right do this as they act like every election cycle. It's like, if this person doesn't get elected, everything's done. It's over. Like our country's doomed. And it's like, we've lasted a long time and we, it's not all about who's going to get elected at the end of the day. You know, when we expect a president or a politician to save the moral state of our country or the ethical state of our country, we're putting them in a position that only Jesus can be in. Mm -hmm. And so when we are putting politicians there, we're expecting things out of them that they can never deliver. Okay. And so we're expecting things out of politics that they, politics can't deliver on. Jesus is who saves. Jesus is who brings salvation. Jesus is who's going to save individuals. We cannot expect laws of certain, of any country. We can't expect politicians to define our morality. And so when we vote them in and we really are just trying to make politics like our moral baseline, what we follow, our laws exactly, you know, what we think they should be even based on the Bible, plenty of people in this country aren't Christian. And so we're not going to be all following that. And so when we expect things out of politics that we need to be getting from our Christianity, that's when politics, I think, become an idol in our life. That's when politics is our religion. When politics is the first thing we turn to for a solution, when politics is the first thing we go to for salvation, when the political leader is more important than our trust in Jesus Christ, what he's coming back in to do, what he his sovereignty over the world, his sovereignty over people, that's when we're really, I think, seeing politics as an idol. Yeah. And I think uh, in the Bible, when it talks about like to keep a sober mind or to have a sober mind, like we think about that when it comes to like drugs, alcohol. Mm -hmm. But honestly, when it comes to politics, I think it's the same exact thing mm -hmm. of like not letting yourself get so like just engage in politics that like it becomes like you're basically drunk off of just like watching the news or just like engaging 
with people politically and it just becomes like this thing where you're not able to like think clearly anymore because you're so extreme on one side of the aisle or another and i think like having a sober mind like it's talks told in scripture is literally just like trying to be as pragmatic as you possibly can about things not letting pride or not letting um external factors really um dictate what you believe like your belief should be in jesus your belief should be uh in your values as a christian and and so when you let outside factors of difference like political leaders or people on more of the extreme uh left or right really try to like infiltrate your mind uh with um you having to believe a certain way i think you just have to have a sober mind understanding that um to just keep yourself grounded in your values and not uh become too extreme Mm -hmm. so i've always thought about that verse a lot when i try to engage in politics is like keeping a sober mind not letting yourself get too uh, invested yeah our hope is in jesus our hope always has to be in jesus our hope can't be in what we vote into in a country because realistically you know the world can go upside down tomorrow and so if our hope is in what a political leader is going to bring us and and if we're just absolutely just you know we feel like the world is over because the person we didn't vote for gets elected that's when our hope is in something else besides christ and so we cannot let fear rule our thinking. We cannot let fear make us act unchristlike because the ends don't justify the means. What we do, you know, if we're really upset with someone because we're like, no, this politician's really going to do these good things. And as a Christian, I believe this. And we let that make us hard-hearted, bitter, angry against other people. That's when it's ruling our lives, I think. And so we really don't, as Christians, we need to be so on guard. Like you said, sober-minded. We can't fall into this trap of of what the world's falling into. We should be the most loving, the most understanding. We should be asking people's opinions. And as Christians, I think we should be engaging outside of this. When we put all of our hope in this and we expect a candidate to do everything, we're absolving ourselves of responsibility as a church. We're absolving ourselves of responsibility to, to help people in our community, to help feed people struggling with homelessness and hunger and single moms and so many other things that we're like, if we just get the right policies in, you know, that'll fix it. The government will take care of it. When it's like, maybe the church has kind of dropped the ball and that might be why there are some of these deep-seated problems in community as a first, in the first place. And so sometimes when we see these problems, we need to first look at ourselves. Where have we dropped the ball? Where are we not participating in our community that could help solve some of these problems? Where is the church can we get more engaged? We need to stop always looking to politics as the answer. It's in the same way sometimes we look at the pastor to go evangelize and save all these people. And we're like, oh yes, pastor, that's your job. You know, you're there to disciple people, all the people. You're there to evangelize everyone. And we go home on Sundays and we don't talk to our next door neighbor that the pastor's never gonna meet. We all have such a stock in this and a stake in this in the way our society's going. And when it's going in a direction we don't always like, we need to first look at ourselves. Where has the church not engaged? Where have I not engaged? Where am I absolving myself of responsibility that I'm putting on the government? And when the government's not solving, you know, I'm feeling a little bitter about, I believe in that so strongly, but where am I participating in that in my own life? So Dan, what are some ways that we can be more Christ-like around election season? Okay, so I'm going to get very serious here for a second because this is a big deal. And so I want everyone to kind of, whoever's listening to this, just flashback in their minds to 2020 when it was Biden versus Trump and everything that was going on in the world at that time with COVID, with um, the election, 
and just kind of remember how bad that was in terms of like the political climate, in terms of the toxicity of everything. Um, we have to really be prepared that it could be even a lot worse than what happened in 2020. It's most likely going to be a rematch against Biden and Trump again. And if you remember what happened last time with January 6th um, and just the political violence that was happening just all across the country, um, we have to understand that that can happen again. And so I think right now, uh, because we're kind of in a more um, quieter time of the election cycle, because it's really going to start ramping up probably three or four months from now, we really have to be praying right now. Mm. We have to be praying that um, the leaders in our country go about this election in a way that is uh, God-honoring, in a way that is not toxic. And that might seem impossible, but I think what we can do as Christians, the most tangible thing that we can do is just really pray and ask that God would work in the hearts and minds of our leaders, the hearts and minds of people who are voting, and not letting it um, dwell all the way into violence. Because mm -hmm. that's what happened last election cycle, and it can absolutely happen again. And I think, honestly, from my personal perspective, I think it's probably going to happen again, and it might be worse. And so we really have to be praying right now, and we have to be thinking about what are ways that I can engage in politics that um, is influential in terms of having other people not be engaged in violence, not be engaged in uh, toxicity, not be engaged um, in kind of the extremism that's happening on both sides of the aisle. And so I think we really need to be praying um, that people would not hurt one another over politics. And then to we need to be a good example of how to get, engage in politics. So that's our influence is really the only thing that can uh, impact that. And so I just wanted to be really serious about that for a second, because like we need to be prepared for that and we need to be prepared that things could get really bad. And I was just going to a movie the other day and I saw this trailer uh, for a movie that's coming out and it's called civil war. Mm. And, um, in the trailer, it shows like states um, coming together, fighting other states. It shows like the White House being blown up. It shows like all these things going on. And I honestly, like, I was sitting there watching that and I like teared up because I was thinking, like, this doesn't seem like it's impossible. This seems like something that could actually happen where our division. And the way that we interact with each other could get to such a bad place that it just turns into all-out chaos and violence. And that has happened so many times throughout history that we have to understand that that can happen again and that we really need to be praying against that and we need to be taking action against that in terms of loving people and being a good example and being Jesus. And the thing that Jesus said to his disciples, I think it was like one of the last things he said is he wanted them to become one. Unity was a huge thing for Jesus, and it needs to be a huge thing for us. Um, doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything, but it means that we need to be unified around our values, and you be unified with the idea that um, that love is just what's going to stop all this from happening. Mm -hmm. And so, we really just need to understand that it could get really bad, and we have a direct role. I think we can play uh, into trying to stop that from happening. So. Yeah. That's yep. really good. It reminded me, actually, I was listening to a podcast. Annalise and I are very big John Mark Comer fans. And so, I am a huge John Mark Comer. All three of us are John. All three besties, besties on this call. Yeah, our dream <laughs> guests. 
And he was talking about, um, it was an episode about community. And he was talking about the 12 disciples that Jesus hung out with and how opposite they all would have been politically. Like Jesus was calling tax collectors, people who were Jewish, but they were working for the Roman government and they were oppressing their own people. Someone, people were called zealots and zealots were people who were political assassins. So they would have been people that would have tried to politically assassinate people like the tax collectors, people who the tax collectors work for. So he was talking about like, the 12 disciples that Jesus hung out with were number one, not all from the same political party. Two, were probably very, very opposite in what they believed politically. And yet he called them all to a higher purpose, a higher goal, called them out of what they were deeming was important in their sphere and was like, I'm calling you to something in the world that's so much more important than what you think politically right now. And so when we want to like, you know, maybe in our mind, dehumanize someone who thinks differently than us or has a totally different view. We need to remember Jesus wasn't concerned about that. Jesus' disciples weren't all the same political party. They probably did not like each other at first. John Mark Comer was saying, he's like, imagine the dinners that took place where they were probably arguing with each other. And yet Jesus was like, we are all going to be after something that's so much more important than this. I think one other thing I would add for tangible um, ways that we can be Christ-like is don't also dehumanize our leaders. You know, you might not agree with everything. Maybe you even think something about their character and their personhood. Most likely you haven't met them in person. And if someone's elected, you know, and you disagree with them, the best thing you can do, like Dan said, is pray. Pray for them. The Bible says pray for your enemies. And I don't think the people that are elected that you disagree with are your enemies. But even if they were, then the Bible says pray for them. It, it isn't like dislike them, slander them, talk bad about them. If they're in office, we're all living in the same country. We need to be rooting for their success. We need to be praying for their success. We need to be praying like, God, you know what? I don't agree with them in a lot of places, but maybe pray for salvation for them. Pray for them to find the Lord. I think where it's like we can be rebels. We can be rebels against the system. We don't have to fall into culture where we have to pick a side or we have to be hateful or we have to fall into this slander. We can be so rebellious in the way that we're so much more loving that we hold Jesus in sovereignty where it's like he's coming back. He's our hope. Politics isn't our hope. And we have opinions. And like Dan said, we want to help people. We want to use this to love people. But when it's making me bitter, when it's making me sin, that's not making me more loving. That's making me feel like being right is most important, more important than loving the people around me. So I think praying for your leaders, pray for people that disagree with you, look for opportunities to engage in those conversations in a way where you can build relationship with people, not so that you can convince them that you're right. I'm guilty of this as anyone. Dan and I used to argue about politics so much. Politics used to be an idol in my life. It really did. It was a way I felt like I could have some sense of control in the it felt like a way that I was very passionate about justice, that this was the way I could channel all those feelings for justice. And I realized we're not going to have that. We're not going to have perfect justice on earth until Jesus comes back. And that doesn't mean we don't work towards it, but it means it's probably not going to always be fought out or most of the time fought out in the political sphere. That's when we engage. That's when we engage in our community. That's when we start doing things with our own life that that bring Jesus's justice to earth, that brings shalom, that bring, brings heaven to earth. So that's why that's my own testimony. You know, we're not here sitting here saying this like, oh, you probably do this. I did. I, I was very much like that. I was abrasive. I was more concerned with being right than loving people. And I think that's something that the Lord really had to root out of my heart in a huge way 
because I was not being Christ-like. I was being rude. I was being someone that I wouldn't have wanted to have a relationship with. And if I was seeing the way I was about politics, I would have never been someone who wasn't a Christian and been like, oh, I want to hear what they think about the Lord because I wouldn't have wanted to engage with myself. I wouldn't have seen myself as loving or caring or empathetic. So if, if that could encourage you in any way, hopefully my struggles and how what I've had to come through does. Yeah. The one thing I would add on to that is I think we need to be very careful of not even judging political leaders. Um, I don't think that's something we're supposed to do because I don't think people realize how hard it is to be in a room and make decisions that impact. Like specifically, if you're the president of the United States, just imagine this, you are, and there's a war going on. You're sitting in a room with maybe 12 different people. We're giving you, you their input. They're telling you, this is what we have to do. If it's going to kill this X amount of people, this is what you have to do. It's where you don't take an action and we might, get uh kill some of our people or something like that and like they have to like figure all of that out and they have to make a decision that's really going to impact people on a very deep level and there's no perfection in that there's no like perfectly right answer with a lot of these issues that are going on in the world and so when political leaders are in that room what i pray for is that the spirit of god would move through that room and the spirit of god would move into the person that's making that decision and that they would make the most God-honoring decision that they possibly can make. And we have to understand that the decisions that some of these leaders are making are so incredibly morally difficult that we can't even imagine the amount of decisions and how hard of the decisions uh, they have to make are. And so we have to understand that. And that doesn't mean that we don't disagree with them, or we don't even fight against them um, if they're doing the wrong thing, but we have to take a really good look at it and say, I couldn't make that decision. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do that. And so that's where prayer, I think, is really important and understanding that, um, yeah, that some of these things are really tough. And one more just story based off what you're talking about with um, praying for our leaders is I was talking to a very older woman that's in my life. I'm not going to name names, but she said, I've prayed for all of my leaders, I'm a devout Christian, I've prayed for all of the leaders uh, of our country, but when Trump got elected, I told myself, I will never pray for that man. Mm -hmm. I hate him so much that I will never pray for him. And that is just like, to me, even as someone that doesn't, doesn't necessarily agree with Trump on basically a lot of things, um, I was just like, I was heartbroken by that. I was like, you are so far apart from where where God would want you to be with this, mm-hmm. and and so another that's just another call to make sure that you're not hating someone with your heart, even if they are a political leader, because that's creating something inside of you that's going to spill into other areas in your life. You might think it not it doesn't matter that I could just hate Trump or I could hate Biden, and they're just up in Washington D.C. and it doesn't matter. And it's like, no, it matters. That hate in your heart really matters. And it's going to spill out into different areas of your life. Yeah. And so um, that's just a funny story, but also sad. Yeah. (laughs) It's good. It reminds you, it's like you, they answer for what they do, you know, and you can disagree with it, like you said, but you answer for how you feel. You answer for like the hate and the bitterness and all that. And the dehumanization, even of the leaders as if like, they're not real people. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Dan, we thank you so much for being on this podcast. We had so much fun hanging out with you and getting to do this. It seems like 
just like a fun thing after college where it comes full circle. We used to talk about politics a lot and um, me, Dan and Annalise were, were very good friends in college. You know, we used to mess around. We used to have these deep conversations. We used to have a lot of fun. And so it's really fun having you on conversations like this. And yeah, just getting to be one of your best friends today. So the third best friend. The third bestie for today. So thank you all for tuning in. We hope that you we're just able to take some things that you can think about. Please feel free to DM us or, or comment or something. Um, what what this made you think? We look forward to hearing from you and we'll see you next week. Bye everyone. Bye-bye.